Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hey, everybody. This is Joe Lynn Turner, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hey, welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. This is Mark Striegel and my co-host today from Mars Attacks, Victor Ruiz. The return of Victor Ruiz. How are you, man? I'm doing good, Mark. How are you? I'm good, man. We are all wondering where you've been. I've been um, uh, somewhere on Gendrel for the last few months. Uh, yes, it's a long to... story, right? Yeah, really. So, cool. we're well, fine. We're gl- Go ahead. No, I was going to make another race reference. There. We're finally past the Milky Way, and we're back on Earth and uh, trying to get Mars Attacks back up and going. And hopefully within the next few days, um, you'll have a new episode up, up there for all of you Mars Attacks uh, aficionados to listen to. Excellent. Now, is that the episode you and I recorded a number of weeks back? Yeah. yeah, the idea is to start off with that episode. Uh, cool. And things that are no longer pertinent. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. And um, and there's two other pretty cool episodes that um, uh, that will follow in the coming weeks as well that are more or less ready to go. I just have to do some host wraps and do a little editing, and and it should be good. So, excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to playing two interviews for you listeners tonight. We have Adrian Patrick from the band Otherwise, a band out of Las Vegas, a city I will be traveling to in exactly one week, and JoLynn Turner, the one, the only, the man with the magic voice. I mean, when when I, I grew up with Rainbow, see, I was a big Dio fan, like solo era, Victor, you know, Holy Diver and Last in Line were the albums that really wrapped me in when I was like 13, 14 years old. But to me, Rainbow was always the JoLynn Turner band. You know, that was JoLynn Turner's band. You know, I, di- I didn't 
go back and discover Ronnie James Dio in Rainbow until really years later. I, I knew Ronnie's work with Sabbath, but but uh, Rainbow, for me personally, the voice of Rainbow was always JoLynn Turner. And I was a big Rainbow fan, that 80s era Rainbow. And of course, I've gone back and I've gotten into the Dio era Rainbow stuff uh, at a later, I went back at a later point in my life and got into that stuff. But man, JoLynn Turner's voice would just play over and over and over again on FM radio when I was growing up as a kid. This guy was just a major star and still is in my eyes and and just has a magic rock and roll voice. And I'm so glad to finally be talking with him on the podcast after nine years. (laughs) Hoboken's own JoLynn Turner there. Well, yeah, is it, I know he's from North Jersey, so really from Hoboken, yeah. Hoboken, yeah. Um, s- similar deal with me. I, I always uh, go back to an old KTEL uh, compilation that I had called Masters of Metal, and it had um, Rainbow on there with him singing, uh, doing Street. Which song? Street. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, and and I mean, even um, classic rock radio in the states you still hear stone cold and you still hear street of dreams every now and then so obviously his time period in the band i think for for most people it outshines what dio did unfortunately um due to the fact that it was more popular at the time probably yeah it was definitely more popular and more accepted by the mainstream and and really made rainbow a household name as well as Angve Malmsteen. I mean, Angve, you know, all us underground metalheads knew about Angve and all us crazy guitar player freaks knew about Angve. But, you know, the song that really put Angve on the map as far as, you know, the more mainstream crowd grow, goes was, was Heaven Tonight. And I, I tell Joe Lynn in the interview you're going to hear with with him, um, you know, that's a song I, I, I still hear all the time. I just heard it on Sirius within the last like week and a half. Such a great album, too, uh, the the one that he did with Inveil. And I actually, yeah. similar to what you're saying with Rainbow, I heard the live album first. So I remember seeing the video for Heaven Tonight on, um, you know, on MTV. But I remember coming over here one summer to Spain and picking up the live album on cassette and playing the playing it to death because I absolutely loved his vocals on that. And there are a lot of the classic songs that he did that when I listened to them, you know, on the vinyl or the studio version, excuse me, it just wasn't the same because it didn't have his voice on some of those tracks. Um, Even if he originally didn't sing on them, he just took those tracks to another level. Absolutely. Absolutely. And on that note, let's get into some classic rainbow. This is going back to 1981. I Surrender, JoLynn Turner, Richie Blackmore, and Rainbow.
That was I Surrender by Rainbow, featuring JoLynn Turner on vocals from 1981, a song that was written by Russ Ballard, which is a good segue into what I did last night, Victor. Um, Russ Ballard, of course, not only wrote that song you just heard, he wrote God Gave Rock and Roll to You, Part 2 with Kiss. He wrote album or songs for Peter Chris's uh, records like Let Me Rock You, Some Kind of Hurricane. He wrote a song that Paul Diano and Neil Murray covered called, or I don't know if they covered it or just did it. I don't know if it had been released before, but they, they did it in their, their super group, which featured members of Def Leppard and Iron Maiden uh, called Gog Magog. And that song was called I Will Be There. He also wrote New York Groove, a song I heard live in concert last night, and off the uh, Fraley's Comet album, the first one, he wrote Into the Night, a song that Ace did not play last night, which leads us to a quick discussion on the opening of the Ace Fraley tour last night in New Brunswick, New Jersey, your your old home state, Victor. And it was great. I had a lot of fun at the show. And I don't know if you saw the set list, Victor, but he's pulling out lots of non-Kiss songs and throwing them back in the set, stuff he hasn't done for years. Yeah, the set list looked really, really cool. I mean, I I got to see him a few years back when he kicked off his short Anomaly tour. Um, But this set list, I mean, just seeing Lost in Limbo and Too Young to Die on there, I mean, those two tracks, I mean, that... Trouble Walking album to me is my favorite a solo album. And I got to tell you, those two songs that you just said were two highlights. Uh, And I wasn't completely surprised by either because John had kind of hinted that they were rehearsing uh, Too Young to Die. And when I recently saw Richie play a solo gig, he opened up with with Lost in Limbo. And that was the song that they opened up with last night. Went right into Give Me a Feeling. Uh, they did toys after that, and again, this was their first show, so there was there there were a few minor glitches, like the song "Change" uh, off the new Ace record. They went to do that, and the guitars were not tuned right. At one, <laughs> Ace did not look happy. They started playing, and just wasn't happening. It was all out of tune because an Ace he was yelling something. I could hear him going "Drop D, Drop D," and I don't know if that meant the guitars were should have been in drop D or they handed him a guitar that was in drop D and that was wrong, but whatever. And then the bass player came back and was just ripping apart the, the roadie and a scolding him. But, uh, so there was that little minor kind of, um, catch and he was planning to play two hours, but because of union rules, he had to cut that short, which meant he cut a couple, uh, songs from the encore. And if you look at the set list, that I posted a, a, a little cell phone shot of the actual set list that was sitting on stage. He, you'll notice he did not do um, Detroit Rock City or Deuce. He just strictly did Cold Gin. It was supposed to be all three of those songs for an encore. So uh, he did have to cut it a little short. But they sounded good and uh, just a great band, great band. And really encourage everybody to go see them when they come through uh, your town. Awesome. Very envious that uh, I probably will not be able to see Ace on this tour, but um, I, I, oh. I do I do have Space Invader on vinyl. So. Oh, nice, nice. 
cool. Well, let's get into a little more JoLynn Turner right now. This is One Common Law by Mother's Army. There's a voice in my head It just won't go away It takes me at night oh, It haunts me by day The answer seems obvious What you just heard there was One Common Law by Mother's Army that was released in 1997. Uh, That project had uh, Carmine Apice, 
Jolyn Turner, and actually featured Jeff Watson, the former Night Ranger guitarist, who was supposed to be one of the guitarists that was going to be part of the Rated X project that Jolyn Turner and Carmine Apice are currently a part of. Yes, yes, and they ended up getting Carl Cochran in to play on most of the album, not all the album. Carl, of course, wrote with Ace Frehley, a lot of Ace tie-ins here tonight, and uh, also played with Ace for a while. So definitely do yourself a favor and check out Rated X. It's good stuff. And so, so Jeff Watson was part of Mother's Army. He was in Night Ranger, and you heard he was supposed to be part of Rated X. Yeah, um, I looked up on Blabbermouth just to figure out who exactly was in the band. I knew that Carmine and Tony Franklin were in it, but I wasn't sure who the guitarist was. And the first news release on Blabbermouth said that Bruce Kulick was the guitarist. That The next release said that it was Jeff, and then finally it said Carl was the guitarist in the band. So, Cool. Well, Carl did a place. Yeah, absolutely. Carl did a great job on the record. You guys definitely got to check out the Rated X record. We're going to hear from Joe Lynn Turner in just a few minutes. I wanted to mention that that Mother's Army band with Carmine and Joe Lynn and Jeff Watson also featured Bob Daisley on bass. So we're going to hear from Joe Lynn in a few minutes. And then later in the show, we will hear from Adrian Patrick from the band Otherwise. And what else did I want to mention, Victor? Let's talk about Mars Attacks. You you said uh, the next episode will be the one that I'm on. And when do you expect that one might be posted? Hoping it will be ready next week. So, I mean, we're recording this on Friday the 14th. So I'm I'm hoping that it will be released at some point during the week of the uh, 17th of November. So. Excellent. And guys, you can listen to all Victor's podcasts on TalkingMetal.com in the Mars Attacks section. The best way to support what Talking Metal does is with a PayPal donation on our site. You can do that. Just go to TalkingMetal.com and you'll see the PayPal tab. I also think a great way to support what we do is to use the Amazon links. They open up your Amazon uh, page and then you just go ahead and make your purchases from there. Nothing cost any more than it normally would. And we get a kickback on it. It's, it's great. It's great. And the Christmas holiday season is coming up. So I know a lot of you guys will be shopping on Amazon. Please consider using our Amazon link again, just one extra step. And that's going to talkingmetal.com before you go to Amazon, use our link to take you over to Amazon. And that's that. And on that note, let's get into a little Rated X. This is a little sound sample. We encourage you to go buy the full record. This song is called Get Back My Crown. This is just classic JoLynn Turner right here. And you will then hear from the man himself here on Talking Metal. Please tell me what to do Got nothing for these blues 
Hey, this is Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and on the line we have the one and only Joe Lynn Turner. Joe, how are you? Good, Mark. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm excited to talk to you about the the new record, Rated X. Let's let's get right into it. This is a true to me. It has that true Joe Lynn Turner, the classic sound that you've done in the past, but yet it kind of has a fresh spin on it. Let's talk about the project. How did it come together? Well, Frontiers, uh, I know I have a relationship with them for a long time, and uh, Serafino had asked me, he said, you know, we need, a, we need a really great band to showcase the vocals and for you to do something else. Uh, and I said, yeah, okay, you know, I'm all into it, but I was touring so much at the time, you know, just as a solo uh, artist, and um, I, I just took a couple of months for me to really realize what was happening. So I spoke to him again, and then I took two weeks off, and next thing I know, Carmine is up at the Frontier's office in uh, New York here. So he called me and just said, hey, Joe, you know that band you want to do? I'm in. And I went, Carmine, perfect. I said, I, I've been meaning to give you a call, because I work with Carmine in, in Mother's Army, which was one of the most underrated bands on earth. Right. Um, just to slip that in there your listeners because go check out Mother's Army guys okay Absolutely. so uh, yeah really so uh, we had him and I said what about Poon Franklin you know Blue Murder the whole thing and he just said perfect Let me, let's give him a conference call so we called Tony and we explained our passion about it and what we wanted to do and he was totally on board because the three of us have always wanted a band to pull our own because we all do side projects and different recordings with different things and people and so on and ours. So this could be our band. And that's the same uh, requirement we had for a guitar player. He had to be committed because a lot of people make projects and they never last and it's a one-off or two records or whatever. And we wanted something that lasts. So that's how it got started. And we went through several guitar players, Bruce Kulick, Jeff Watson, but they couldn't make the commitment. Right. So I worked with Carl Cochran uh, on my solo albums. He's an amazing guitar player. He's a star waiting to happen. And great writer, everything. Uh, total no ego, no BS. And I just said, Carl would be perfect to fill in this record. So he played seven tracks in and suffered a stroke. Yeah, I was going to ask you about I'm that. I'm trying actually. to capsulize all this. Yeah, this is pretty heavy duty. I was, in, I was on tour with Alice Cooper in Germany uh, in March, and that was... When it happened, and I got a Skype call from from Carmine, and just heartbroken. And and now we're doing benefits for Carl, and he's really progressing. Just so if anybody's interested, he's really progressing, and uh, it's a long road. But we're doing benefits for him to offset the medical costs. As you know, today it's pretty expensive, and etc. But uh, we have everything that that he will return, because uh, we know other people with the same situation that have a full facility. But I don't think it's going to be in time for us to go out on tour. So my friend Niccolo Katza from Brazen Abbott is a true virtuoso. And okay. in my opinion, pretty much was the only guy that could finish this record because that's what we needed. Everybody on their own instrument, what have you, is pretty much, in my opinion, a virtuoso in, in that respect, quote-unquote. And Niccolo finished the last four tracks, and he did it brilliantly. And we'll probably most definitely actually use Niccolo for the tour because he's he's fantastic. But, of course, Carl had that spot. Carl's right. on the record. 
his name is on the record, you know, as the main guitar player. But until he's uh, he's 100%, we we have to go outside of that. So what? So that's what, how it started. And, now, and as far as the record goes, yeah, you, you mentioned you know, the the guitar player who's coming in for Carl. His his name again? Niccolo Kotsev from now, from Raisin Abbott. Okay, cool. And now Niccolo. Niccolo played on what songs on the, the Rated X record? Uh, I, you know, it's it's really funny. I don't have it all in front of me, but I oh. know he played on uh, Maybe Tonight. I know he played on Don't Cry No More. I know he played on Stranger in the Soul. That's three out of four. Right. Um, and I know there's one more. I believe it was uh, Peace of Mind. Cool. Uh, no, uh, but anyway, it's I can't think of it right now. I've just been doing about 100 interviews today, so my brain is a little bit disturbed. Yeah, no worries, no worries. But anyway, yeah, it's brilliant stuff, and it's all on the, the sleeve of the CD, and, and it's all listed properly, and credit where credit is due. And I, I just can't tell you how much passion we really put into this record, all of us. Yeah, you we can... Really you, you definitely hear the passion when, when you're listening to the record. And, and one other question about the, the musicians on the record. Who's handling the keyboards? Ah, our, uh, our producer, Alessandro Del Vecchio. He is a staff producer for Frontiers. He's done Hardline and a whole bunch of bands. I mean, you know, and he, he's, he's a great musician, singer. He plays keyboards, guitar. He's a utility guy. And he co-wrote a lot of the songs. So he was uh, very effective. I love Alessandro. He's terrific. And he's going to be playing keyboards for this live. Excellent, excellent. And when you're out touring live, would you expect that you'd be dipping into other songs from your back catalog, from Carmine's back catalog, from Tony's back catalog that you might want to play live? Yeah, we already anticipated that. And I think we should do at least one or two songs from our our you know, our pasts, and uh, I mean, we can dip into, you know, the Vanilla Fudge for Carmine, you could even, he's got a heavy metal version of Do You Think I'm Sexy from Rod Stewart, he co-wrote that with Rod, right. and uh, we did it at the uh, the first benefit for Carl, and it is heavy, and I'm telling you, people would really dig this, because it's, it's nothing like the disco hit at all, you know, and uh, it's cool, so yes, that's, to answer your question succinctly, yes, we will be doing one or two songs from each of our back catalog, you know, uh, sort of as the cherry on top, but most of our set will be rated X because it's just so powerful. These songs translate live. We didn't use any production techniques or tricks. Everything is played by five, we're sang by five people playing their instruments and putting their hearts and souls into it. Excellent. And do you think you'll be going out and like headlining clubs or are you looking to hook up with a bigger name artist for the live dates? Well, that would be that would be a wonderful uh, connection if we could hook up with the tour. But we haven't been as lucky so far because the record just came out. And I believe we need to get some traction on this record. People need to listen to it. People need to like it. And then start creating a demand for the record, creating a demand for the band. Because promoters are already saying, we were trying to book this thing at the end of the summer, and people are saying, uh, well, we know each of them individually, but we don't know what they sound like together. You know, right. and right. Uh, it's a drawback, especially in this day and age when money is really tight, not only from the fans but the promoters. 
it's really tight. Right. And, and, uh, you know, I have this on this new paradigm that's out there. And we're hoping that by summer, say June, July, uh, that it's going to kick in. People, word of mouth is the best way, YouTube and all of the social medias. And we're getting great reactions, great reviews. So we're more than pleased that everybody loves the record. And we want to bring it to the stage and, and show you what we got. We think it's a new vital force in this music uh, industry that is sorely needed. Absolutely. And, you know, I mentioned earlier that to me it has that classic Jolyn Turner sound that some of us, you know, know from bands like Rainbow and Deep Purple and your work right. with Engve. Was there a conscious effort to kind of capture that classic sound as opposed to trying to do something maybe more like modern with the, the drop tuning and all that type of stuff? Well, you know, not for anything, but we did want it to be a hard rock, melodic hard rock, classical, classic rock. Now they call it classic rock with the word class in it, which right. I, I think is appropriate. You know, um, we did want a classic rock album, but at the same time, we put a modern sound on it. Um, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to find the guitars not heavy enough or anything. No, I, you know, we a lot of bands... You know, I, I was toying around with that idea. It's, it's a good question because I was toying around with the idea of going a bit more modern. But you know what? I mean, this is who I am. has got kind of a more modern, almost Nickelback feel to it, you know. But at the same time, it's still classic rock. Yeah. I, we, we wanted to just show our roots. We wanted to be true to them. And, and we wanted to be, as the song says, this is who I am. This is a testament to, to individualism. And... I believe that that's what we really wanted to accomplish. A lot of bands, after a while, have have turned away from their original sounds and have grown with the modern "quote unquote" sound or the alternative sound. That's all fine and good. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it falls down flat. But this one, we weren't trying to do any of that. I could probably growl with the best of them if I want to, but right, right now I'm still into singing. You know, I'm still really into singing, and I'm into my roots. And I wanted to make a great album, and I think we did that. We accomplished that. And I really think people will enjoy it. Absolutely. We definitely encourage all the listeners to check it out. Again, it's called Rated X. We'll have links up in today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. And, Joe, I wanted to ask you, you know, you've done so much stuff, but obviously one of the – the biggest things in your career, or most known things, I should say, is, is your work with, with Richie Blackmore in Rainbow and in Deep Purple. Do you ever hear from that guy anymore? Well, you don't, if you know Richie, you don't really hear from him, but you, you hear from him. You don't hear from him, but you hear from him by via someone else. And, yes, I've, I've recently uh, been in touch with people in his camp, shall we say, who say, Richie sends all his love and respect, you know, this and that, and I send it right back. You know, and when you congratulate him on, on his, his kids, or I should say his children, are, are uh, a little older now, but when uh, all of them was born, you know, you, you send an email and you get thanks back. You know, Richie's, Richie's a man of few words, and uh, he likes to, to keep it all private, but he's still, I'm still very fortunate that our relationship was extremely uh, shall we say healthy? Right. It was a healthy relationship, and we really had a chemistry and a magic between us. We wrote some great songs that'll last the test the test of time, 
and uh, we still have that mutual uh, admiration and respect for each other. And I, and I always want to thank Richie because he gave me the leg up um, into the world arena and on the rock stage, you know, and he taught me a lot. He took me under his wing, he defended me, stuck by me, and uh, I proved him right. And I will never forget that, you know, it, it's that kind of a relationship, almost like a tutor, a mentor. Right. And uh, I was in love with him before because I was a guitar player, and I, Blackmore was my favorite guitar player, still am. Many people don't know that, but Blackmore was the guy for me. So I studied all his riffs, and I'm probably the only guitar player I ever played on stage with him. I don't think there's another one. He handed me a silver anniversary strat, scalloped by his own hands, and we started to play uh, the Ode to Joy um, instrumental. And uh, I was very proud of that because having that title, because he liked the way I play. So it was kind of a really cool relationship we had, and it's never been destroyed, ever. And yes, I have heard from him recently, so I know it's still alive. You know, and the music you guys made together, a lot of it is it's just so prominent on the classic rock and the classic metal stations on Sirius. Uh, I heard Stone Cold the other day, and uh, last week I heard Street of Dreams, and I just wanted to kind of, on some of these big songs that, that just still live on on radio and in all our lives so many years later i just wanted to get your quick takes on on some of the songs any memories you have working on the songs uh back in 1981 a song that you actually didn't write but you recorded with richie i surrender any memories of doing that song in the studio oh yeah memories on on all three of those have a selective story behind them that, that is very interesting, I think, to any listener. Uh, you asked about I Surrender, so I'll, I'll, I'll address that first. Uh, there, I was down on my left living in a, in a, in a studio apartment, roach-infested in New York City. My band Fandango and RCA Records had just broken up. Um, you know, it was the kind of band that we were big in Casper, Wyoming. Nothing, nothing bad about Casper, Wyoming, but not exactly the biggest town in the world. Right. And, um, or the biggest market. So there I was down on my luck and I got the call to go audition for Rainbow. And walked in, which he was at the desk, and he said, uh, okay, how do you do, mate, and all this? Go in there and sing. And that was it. It was just that quick. And I went on the mic and I was doing a few things and he said, can you write? And I pulled out some lyrics from my bag and I put them together with a song or two, which later became Midtown Tunnel Vision, etc. Okay. And... Um, he said, how about this one? And they put on I Surrender. And there was already <clears throat> Graham Bonnet singing the backgrounds. Oh, okay. Not the lead. But the backs were there, right? So I said, okay. And, and they, they, they gave me a basic run-through of the demo that Russ Ballard had written. And I said, well, I've got some different ideas about this and certain melody lines that I think I can improve upon. At least that would fit my style and see if you like them. So I took a shot at it. And I just saw their heads nodding in the studio control room. I knew something was likable at that point. And he walked in with a couple of Heinekens and just said, hey, man, you got the job if you want it. Nice. And I said, yeah, I need the job, you know. And uh, the rest is history. Nice. How about, how about another song that we still hear all the time on the radio today, Stone Cold? So, Stone Cold. We had just pulled into San Savar up in Canada, right outside of Morin Heights there. The famous the studio is the police were up there doing Ghost in the Machine at the time, and we were just settling into the band house um, and getting getting our 
getting ourselves together and everything else, setting up equipment in the middle of the living room so we could rehearse and practice. And um, the police left about three days later, great bunch of guys back then. And um, the studio was across from the lake from the house. The house was, and there was a small lake and then the studio. And you could see the studio lights from the house, the main house, the band house. So snow on the ground, you know, winter, and me and Roger Glover were going to walk across the, the lake because we play hockey on it, skate all day on it and everything else, get some exercise. And we felt it was okay, but it was a particularly warm night. So we started to get towards the mill, and we heard crack, crack, crack. Oh, no. And he, he looked at me, and I looked at him, and I said, on your belly. And we kind of snow angeled our way all the way back to the shore. Wow. We got up, dusted ourselves off, jumped in the Jeep, and said, well, we'll never do that again. We got into the studio, and I got on the mic, and this huge snowstorm erupted. And one of the studio walls was all glass. So there were these huge icicles hanging down. I mean, like four feet, you know, big. They were there from the whole winter. And it was amazing. It was a real frozen kind of Arctic scenario. And here I am singing Stone Cold. So the mood was perfect. The environment outside was perfect. The lights were low in the studio. And I remember ad-libbing the tag, the end, of that song just based on she put me in the deep freeze and all that just just by being inspired from the weather and Roger was like that's perfect that's perfect leave it it's brilliant you know and yeah. and that was the you know so we use every all the elements you know yeah definitely and uh, and Shooter Dreams was was a real real amazing thing that happened because that that song was in three different parts Richie likes to play his bass pedals. And I believe he had to, um, he, he gets the drummer and he, and he likes to get the beats, but he plays bass pedals and guitar. And that's how he basically comes up with a lot of riffs and bits. So it was up to me and Roger to, to cut those pieces and put them into some fashion of, um, say, a Abacab formula song. Right. And I had these three pieces and I put them together and that was actual three pieces of Street of Dreams. And we were in Copenhagen, Denmark at the time at uh, Freddie Hansen's place, Sweet Silence Studio. And um, I remember waking up in the middle of the night and writing a lyric. And I wrote the complete lyric, with except for a few ands and buts, uh, as I read over it the next day, because I had this dream. And I was always having this recurring dream about mm. this this woman. And I always saw her face in my dreams. And it was really strange and freaky. Anyway, I wrote this song, and the next day I went into the studio and put the demo down of it. So when we got to record the actual track, um, there was a huge, again, a huge electrical storm and a grid pattern in on in, um, where we were in Copenhagen. It's a very violent weather storm sometimes during that time of the year. And it shut the whole pattern. Richie was in the studio trying to play a lead to it, and it shut the whole studio down. But he came in. And he sat next to me in the kitchen, and he just said, you know, I've been out there for an hour, and I'm just not coming up with what I want to come up with. Uh, he said, your vocal was just, I mean, literally, I, I had chill bumps when he said this, because he said, your vocal was just outstanding, and I'm trying to trying to keep up with it. Wow. And I said, Rich, look, yeah, I went and got a couple of beers, settled in there, and said, Rich, and a storm is raging now, and the power's off, so we got candles lit. And uh, and I'm saying, you just go in there and play the most melodic 
beautiful solo from your heart that you can and forget about the rest. Forget about the vocals. Just use it as a reference. Make it all part of the theme. You know, and he went in and played the most memorable single solo ever. And it still stands today. Oh, absolutely. It's just beautiful. So I got to say, man, it was uh, quite an experience, the whole thing. Wow, great stories. I appreciate you sharing them. And I right? could ask you about these songs all day, but let me just throw one more in there and then I'll let you go. Heaven Tonight, sure. Heaven Tonight by Engve Malmsteen, the biggest song of his career. You co-wrote that and sang on it with him. I just heard it on Eddie Trunk's show last week. It still holds the test of time. Any memories about that specific song? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. That's when, you know, here's the thing. Ingrid had this great track, you know, when I when I came to work with him. Polygram had set it up for us, and, and I went out to L.A. to uh, to work with him, staying in the, we stayed in the band house, of course, everything, everybody was living there. And I said, just give me this track and, and let me let me come up with something. Because I said, this is a very commercial track. And he goes, oh, I hate commercial, you know. And I said, you're not going to hate commercial after I get done with it. I go, it's going to be brilliant. I said, because I got something already and I hope you like it. And when I brought it in, he was a little bit weary because he's used to all of the demons and dragons thing. Right. But, you know, real honestly. And I said, look, I said, this song is a hit. If we do it right, and if we put all the right elements into it, it is not. It is burning. Your solo is amazing. The chord structure is amazing. We got all the true makings of classic here, and that's what happened. Heaven tonight came out, and it just busted through the airwaves, and it, it, it was, of course, his biggest selling album. It turned the tide, where Mountain became a household name. Right. And I'm very proud of that because I'm attached to it, and uh, a, a lot of times now. And Ingrid, I love you, but you do say this, that that I wrote a few sentences. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I still get my publishing checks from every song on the record, except except the instrumental, which is fine, because Ingrid, but we co-wrote that album. Yeah. We loved that album. We enjoyed the touring. We, we did things that were historical, uh, as in being one of the first rock bands to ever play the Soviet Union, even before the even before the peace concerts, right, yeah. when they went out there, we were there before that. To 10, 12, 11 shows, twenty-two thousand people a night. Wow, wow! It was, un, it was unbelievable. And to this day, I still respect that album. You put it on now, and it sounds just as great as ever. Absolutely great, Joe. Very proud of it. Yeah, these have been great stories. I appreciate you sharing them with me, and we will definitely be sharing your music, Rated X, that is, the new music with the Talking Metal listeners. What song would you actually like to play for the Talking Metal listeners off the Rated X record right now? You know, thanks, Mark. I appreciate that. Um, there, are, there are rock burners on this album, very a la Rainbow Purple. There are this ballad, there's... There's a lot of things. There's the single, you know, Fire and Ice is great. Uh, this is who I am. But most people, if you drop a needle on a, on a 33 and a third record, which most people don't do anymore, they only hear one cut, I think this is this song called The Journey to Lhasa is going to be a classic. It's our Kashmir. It's a very heavy, colorful song with a very spiritual lyric. And I just... I think you should play that. It's not to hook the audience by any, you know, super commercial type thing. This is this is just a heavy song. And I think maybe that's a good way to go out. 
Great. Cool. Here it is, guys. And a big thanks to Turn Joe for talking with us here on Talking Metal. Cool. Hey, thanks, thanks Blocking. And thanks to all the fans that still love and support us. We really appreciate it.
What you just heard was a little rated X. Before that, you heard my interview with JoLynn Turner. And we will shortly be hearing from Adrian Patrick. So right now, let's get into one more JoLynn Turner track. This is Heaven Tonight by Engve Malmsteen. was the song Heaven Tonight by Engbe Malmsteen and JoLynn Turner here on Talking Metal. Victor, we're going to hear uh, one more interview from Adrian Patrick from the band Otherwise. And these guys are from Las Vegas, a city I'm actually going to be flying out to in one week to see the KISS residency. And I'm also going to catch Red Dragon Cartel while I'm out there. So I'll be there 48 hours with my wife and we are going to catch two shows. I'm pretty excited about it. Have you heard any 
reviews of the residency at the Hard Rock in Ve- Vegas for Kiss? Um, I've heard both good and bad things. I've heard people say that it was great seeing them, you know, putting on the show that they've been doing uh, in such a small place. Uh, and then I've heard, you know, the flip side that um, that when they did the cruise, that they varied the set list a lot more and that with the residency, people were expecting something along those lines. And they got more or less the um, uh, the typical set list that they've been playing, you know, that they played with Def Leppard and that they've been playing the last few summers. But, I mean, it right. makes sense. I mean, you pay three grand to go on a cruise you'd hope that they'd do something special um yeah and you know what's interesting though i can see both sides of it i do think they should mix it up and you know always keep certain classics in the set list however in vegas like that there's a lot of people that are probably getting comps to the show from their gambling and from their the hotel they're staying in and you know it's it's something that that draws people to the the casino and i would think you probably get a lot of casual fans out there whereas the kiss cruise those are all the the diehards so still i i would think every night it would be nice if they could take three or four of the the songs and and mix it up and throw in some off the path deeper cuts you know what i mean uh, but eh, whatever i'm still looking forward to it i think it'll be a great time and also looking forward to checking out Red Dragon Cartel. And also on the on the tip of the uh, one more on the uh, the topic of the Kiss. One more thing on the topic of the Kiss set list. Ace's set list I really thought was was bold and, and daring because again, having seen him last night, he's not just relying on the Kiss classics like he did on the Anomaly tours. Just so many solo songs in there and i actually wish that kiss would take a tip from that which i'm sure they won't because they would never do anything like what what ace is doing influence them but um you know they they, it would be great to see them really mix things up and pull in more songs from the 80s i i agree with you 100 percent. it was funny that i read two different things on facebook where someone said he didn't play anything off of second sighting and someone else pointed out that he didn't play anything off of anomaly i think ace though has you know all of his solo work and he's got all the stuff that he's done in kiss it's difficult to you know hit on everything and you know promote a new album as well and uh someone else said oh well, why is he doing love gun S- scott coogan did love gun on the anomaly tour as well he did Paul's vocals yeah. almost to a T. And I mean, it makes sense. Ace has said it. He can't sing the entire two hour set. So they've got to switch it up. They've got, you know, Richie singing some tracks, Scott singing. He did Strutter too, which I <laughs> found stranger than Love Gun. Uh, I enjoyed seeing, I enjoyed seeing him play it though. And, and, uh, fun, fun stuff. King of the nighttime world. He did too. Did, uh, Chris Wise sing anything? The bassist? No, no, he did not. He did not. Just Richie, the the drummer, Scott Coogan, and of course Ace. And yeah, f- fun night, fun night. So definitely check out Ace if you happen to be out at the residency this coming Saturday, the twenty second in uh, Las Vegas. Look for look for me and my wife. I know Joey from the Rock Strikes Ten podcast is going to be out there, so I hope to see him and say hello to him while I'm there. 
And uh, any good concerts coming through Spain? Um, I missed out on a show last week, actually, uh, which was Overkill and Prong, uh, unfortunately. Oh, two of your favorites. Yeah, absolutely. Um, unfortunately, you know, with the, um, with the injury that I had not too long ago, I didn't feel that my, right. you know, that my health was up to it. So I sort of went by it and also it was a hard sell on a Sunday night getting home at like 3 a.m. and having to, uh, you know, get your kids up at seven. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Well, thanks for joining us here tonight, Victor. I'm going to let some music get us into our interview with Adrian from Otherwise, and some music will take us out of that interview, and then that'll be it for the podcast. Uh, so Victor and I will sign off now, but you still have more to go with, uh, again, with Adrian from Otherwise, my interview with him. And just a big thanks to Joe Lynn Turner, who's played with everybody from Deep Purple to Sunstorm to Mother's Army to Use Turner Project to Rainbow to Engve to Fandango. The, the list just goes on and on. I mean, this guy sang backing vocals on Billy Joel's records, Share uh, albums. I mean, go to his Wikipedia page. It's just mind-boggling how much this guy has done. So big thanks to Joe Lynn for joining us here on Talking Metal. And on that note, we will get into a song called Demon Fighter by the band Otherwise. We'll end today's show with a song called Dark, Darker Side of the Moon. And this is a fun interview, guys, so stay tuned to the, uh, to the podca- podcast here and listen to my interview with Adrian from Otherwise. A lot of good talk about the city of Las Vegas, the city these guys are from. Check it out. Talk to you next time. Fighting down the demons with the fire in my head. You're the reason that I needed to take this final step.
Hey, this is Mark from Talking Metal, and on the line we have Adrian Patrick from the band Otherwise, whose new album, the second album, is Peace at All Cost. Adrian, how are you? Hey, Mark, what's going on, brother? Thanks so much for joining us. Let's talk a little bit about the band. This is your second record, correct? Yeah, yeah, our second uh, album on, on a... On a, on a record label with a real budget and real producers and all that good, all that jazz, man. Yeah, well, we want to talk about the, the producer for sure because he's a, a big heavyweight. But let's talk about the, the band otherwise. Give us just a little history on the band, you know, the condensed maybe, you know, 90-second to two-minute version of how you guys came together. Uh, all right. Well, uh, you know, my brother and I have been jamming together since 2004. My little brother Ryan Patrick is uh, my lead guitar player and, and main songwriting partner. And over the years, you know, coming up in Las Vegas, uh, the Las Vegas music scene, we we had a, a revolving door of, of of long-term bandmates. You know, uh, many many different guys at every every individual position, you know, came through and and, and spent. Spent a lot of time with us trying to trying to break out and and uh, make a name for ourselves in an extremely competitive market like Las Vegas. And you know, over the, the trial and error, we, we we kind of weeded out the the strongest, you know, of, of the bunch. And and Quirky uh, of drummers been playing with us since Halloween of 2010. And um, our bass player Vasilios has been with us for going on three years now. And our guitar player Andrew Pugh, who's an old friend of ours, actually, who we worked in the studio with prior to signing our record deal, okay. uh, has now been playing rhythm guitar with us for a couple of years. So, this is the best we felt, the the most the strongest and the most conducive lineup that we've had um, to to succeed. Excellent, excellent. And how does this second album, Peace at All Costs, vary and differ from the first album that otherwise put out? Um, the first album, I guess, you know, we, every band I guess, has the, the luxury of taking as much time as they want to write and record the songs for their first album. You know, you, you kind of do that over the, the, the process and of many years of leading up to signing a record deal and and, um, and, and putting out your first professional album, you know. Um, so I guess the, the one difference... The main difference, I guess I could say, for the sec our second album, Peace at All Costs, is the fact that we were that we wrote all of these songs. The majority, I'd say, at least ninety percent of the songs on this album, we wrote them at the same time at, in the same batch. You know, kind of they're all part of the same litter. You know, part of the same the same pride, I guess you could say. Um, this album is is more focused in its in its sonic identity. I, I, I would yeah. think than than our first our first venture. You know what I mean? No, definitely, definitely. And I mean sonically, it just it just sounds great. Let's talk Here about the 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 sounds that you guys get on this this record. You guys are working with David Bottrell. That's how you pronounce his name, mm -hmm. right? Who's yeah, Bottrell. Bottrell. It's, it's a French. He was telling us it's a, it's a French name, so I guess the French pronunciation would be Bottrell, but we we say Bottrell as. Westerners, you know what I mean? Right, right. And I mean, I mean, yeah. his his catalog is just intense. From Tool, Muse, oh Stone Sour, Stained. I mean, this guy is a real heavyweight. How, I mean, you guys aren't really a, a household name at this point. How did you end up hooking up with this guy? 
Uh, our former management, uh, Danny Wimmer, um, he reached out to David and, uh, and, and presented us to him and, and David listened to, you know, our, some of our former, oh, sorry, David listened to our stuff from our first album and, uh, then of course he, he liked what he heard and he like sent me some demos on the new stuff they're working on and so we did and, um, he loved it and he was like, I really feel like I can contribute to, you know, this band's career and their tra- tra- trajectory, and, and uh, I see them headed for, for, for great things. And uh, it was a, pl- a real pleasure working with him, you know, because even prior to signing our record deal, we worked with, you know, the so-called big-name producers and, you know, guys with platinum albums under their belts and on their resumes and, band- and who have worked with, you know, bands that we've all heard of. But David, you know, as you mentioned, he's got this extensive resume, very eclectic, I mean, from, you know, spending 20 years with Peter Gabriel at Peter Gabriel Studio in London to, you know, doing, uh, the, you know, the, the latest Stone Sour album, you know, wow. it's, it's, he's, he's got the most, yeah, he's got probably the most, um, uh, I would say varied and, uh, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, like, uh, flexible uh, taste in music. You know? Yeah, it's, it's funny like you mentioned Peter Gabriel because I totally forgot about that, but I seem to remember Tool like years ago talking mm-hmm. about them reaching out to him specifically because of his work with, with Peter Gabriel. Exactly, you know, and David David is basically the producer who discovered Tool. He did the first three Tool records. You know, those are seminal pieces of work as far as cutting edge rock goes, you know, and yeah. alternative. You know, to me, you know those types, that type of, of of band, those types of artists are 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 what truly defines you know alternative, um, yeah. that alternative sound. You know, it's not mainstream, it's not poppy, but it becomes mainstream. Yeah. You know, and and to work with a guy like David and have him actually believe in what we're doing was just a, you know a compliment of the highest order. Um, I, it was it was definitely a little intimidating when when we were first going into the project, but. Once we met him and got to know him, it just, he put us at ease and he became a friend and a confidant. And, you know, hopefully we can work with him again in the future. It, you know, I mean, the guy was the first day we walked in the studio. Here's a dude who has all the makings of a super producer. Yeah. But he's like literally on his hands and knees himself underneath the board, repatching cables and plugging things in wow. and doing it himself, not having, you know, his intern or his. Wow, great stuff. Now let's let's talk about Las Vegas. You guys are from Las Vegas. Uh, you know, I'm I'm in New Jersey, and I I feel like again I'm not there in Las Vegas, but from afar, right. it almost seems like something's going on there musically. We're we're seeing younger bands like yourself emerge from Las Vegas, but we're also seeing some of the old time rockers, some of the, you know, guys who are probably a a few generations, uh, a couple generations at least ahead of you guys, maybe moving from Los Angeles, coming to Las Vegas, uh, embracing this scene. There seems to be like a rock metal scene happening there, at least from afar. That's what I'm, I'm sensing. As somebody who's from Las Vegas, what are your thoughts on the Las Vegas scene? Uh, it's, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that, uh, Mark, because, yeah, and, you know, in the past few years, we've seen that this high influx of, of uh, you know, rock and rollers from from other other uh, other cities, you know. 
a lot of big name games that a lot of the uh, those guys from the older generation that you're mentioning, you know, they uh, they've retired out out there in Vegas, you know, and uh, it's it's. As far as, like, the local scene goes, you know, when we were coming up and we were cutting our teeth, uh, you know, in Vegas in the scene, it was it was extremely competitive, and uh, it was a much heavier-sounding scene, you know? Right. Um, there was a lot of metal bands, a lot of uh, hard rock bands, um, and then you saw the explosion of bands all of a sudden just out of nowhere, like The Killers and Panic at the Disco. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, who, which which in turn paved the way for bands like Imagine Dragons, um, and all of a sudden, you know, the the focus now is on this, you know, dancey, electronic, you know, um, more more pop oriented style of music, and 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 although those bands are extremely talented at what they do, they weren't necessarily representative of what was actually going on in the scene in Las Vegas at the time. Okay. You know, we were kind of, we're kind of like the the one, I guess you could say, mainstay or, or you know, of of that that Las Vegas scene that was comprised of, of heavier music. You know, that we were able to actually break out into a national scene yeah. and, um, you know, kind of let people know that look, there's other styles of, of music, there's other styles of of rock and roll going on out there besides what you hear on pop radio. Right, you know? right, yeah. Um, you mentioned the Killers, and uh, but even bands like Five Finger Death Punch is from out there, right? And and well, no, those guys they live there now, but they, they uh, those guys moved there. Yeah, ah, they moved okay. there after they'd already you know hit it you know pretty big and become uh, you know a, a very well known name. They they moved to Vegas. Oh, and, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, but you can find those guys. You know, they're you know, all of us. You know, us rocker types. You know, the harder rocker. You can find us all hanging out at at shows. You know, going to the local bars. Um, you know, we're like we're very much still involved in in the scene. You know, down, the downtown uh, area is, has seen a renaissance, and we're, you know, you can you can catch us walking around and, and hanging out and having drinks and, and you know, just shooting the shit with people. And when you talk about the the local bars and, and stuff, like what are there specific bars out there that you guys hang? Are there like rock bars? I know, you know, there's like a punk rock bar, Double Down Saloon, which I've been yeah. to. There is a Double Down uh, Legendary man. Vamps, uh, the Count's Vamps Club, mm -hmm. which I have I have not yeah. been to. But um, are there the other Count, bars? Dan, Dan Coker, he's, he's he's a friend of of, of the band. Um, okay. Lately, uh, we've been spending a lot of time at, at, at a place, uh, places downtown. There's one in particular called Commonwealth, which, uh, they support live music and the, the free for all kind of jam vibe. You know, anybody can get up and play and, you know, you can see some of the most talented people in the city, you know, come through there and jam. Um, cool. there's another place on the strip actually called Boulevard. Which also is uh, it's owned by the same guys doing Commonwealth, and it's the same the same vibe. You know, it's all based on live music. There's always a piano player, a guitar player, or somebody. You know, just just making sound. And um, you know, the downtown area is is more familiar to the locals, but with a place like Boulevard around the strip, you know, they're bringing that same hometown vibe to the tourist crowd. You know, so there there are you know. There, there definitely are people out in Vegas who are who are trying their best to foster the live music scene. You know, outside of the the casinos and the DJs and the, you know the nightclubs and all that stuff. You know, there 
there's places you can go to, to to see traditional, you know, real art being created, you know, right in front of your eyes. Cool, cool, good stuff. Excellent. Well, Adrian, I really appreciate you joining us here on Talking Metal. Again, the new album or newer album is Peace at All Costs. How long has the album been out, actually? Uh, it's just over a month now. It came out September 16th. So going on, it's going on in November. It'll be two months, man. So excellent. It's doing well. You know, every every week, it's 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 uh, you know, its numbers are staying solid or increasing. You know, we haven't we haven't really seen that. To fall off yet. The single, the new single, uh, "Doctor Side of the Moon," is at radio, and it's just not giving up. It won't, it won't, it won't let go of the top twenty. You know, so it's, cool. it's, it's, it's hanging in there, man. All right. Well, we heard Demon Fighter earlier. Should we, should we hit him with another song? You want to play the the single or yeah, something else? Yeah, yeah. Let everybody. Yeah, that's, that's our, our first single. Is like I said, "Darker Side of the Moon," and it's a, it's a basically an analogy um, for our hometown. You know, on of Las Vegas. The, the neon lights out there are so bright, you know, and that they only make the shadows that much deeper and darker. And uh, we want everybody to take a trip with us to the to the darker side of the moon, you know what I'm saying? There we go. Darker Side of the Moon by Otherwise. Check them out on iTunes. And uh, what's the official site, Adrian? Uh, it's weareotherwise.com. Um, on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash otherwiseofficial. Twitter is weareotherwise.com. Um, I think there's a Tumblr account somewhere out there that is also We Are Otherwise. All right. We'll, we'll link all that through today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. And, uh, again, here's a little new otherwise on Talking Metal. Adrian, thanks so much. Thank you, Mark. All right. Have a good night, man.
One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.